Welcome to the Proletarian Contrarian, the leftist podcast dedicated to the reevaluation of your favorite crappy films. I'm Nick. And I'm Lewis. And um, we have a problem on this episode because this is like a good movie by a good filmmaker. Yeah, we uh, we shouldn't be allowed to do this film, folks, but uh, <laughs> the consensus is that it's terrible. So here we are. Right. I mean, like, technically it fits for the criteria that we've laid out for the show. Yeah, that's only because people um, are dumb. Yeah, people are dumb. And um, this movie is not dumb. This movie this movie's good. It's uh, Domino, the 2019 film directed by Brian De Palma. Yeah, the king, King De Palma. Yes. We stand yes, a based BD- god, De Palma. BDP, um, based De Palma. Yep. He's, uh, <laughs> he's, he's good, folks. Um, we... We unironically like a lot of his good and bad films, or film a lot of his films that are perceived to be both good and bad. Right, yeah. I think, I mean, I've seen the majority of his films. I think I have not seen Bonfire of the Vanities, um, which mm. is a very infamous bad film. Uh, I think there's even a book written about the production of it. Um, well, isn't isn't that a Tom Wolfe book? It is, yeah. So it's an adaptation of the Tom Wolfe book. Uh, there was right. a journalist on set, I think, the whole time, and she wrote a book about the troubled production. That's great. Uh, yeah, so um, <laughs> it's uh, that's a very infamous one. And then there's... I haven't seen Wise Guys, which is um, like these low-level gangsters. Um, I believe Danny DeVito's in it. Um, Hell and yeah. Joe Piscopo. Uh, yeah, throwback there. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, Every other film I've seen of his I like for the most part. Maybe not Casualties of War. I'm not the biggest Casualties mm-hmm. of War fan. The only the only two that I really know very well and, and, and can really connect with um, are Snake Eyes. And you showed me that yes. actually mm-hmm. back in our college days. And Snake Eyes is kick-ass. Um, and uh, of course, the wonderful, um, one of my favorites, The Phantom of the Paradise. Yeah, so uh, big Brian De Palmaniacs, uh, that's what I like to call us. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> so didn't he, didn't he, just really quick, didn't he also direct the first Mission Impossible? Yes, he directed the first Mission Hell Impossible. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Mission awesome. Impossibles, for the most part, are made by amazing directors besides J.J. Yeah. Abrams. Like, the worst one is number <laughs> yes. three, and that's the one J.J. Abrams made. We go from Brian De Palma and, and John Woo to um to jj abrams immediately yeah, after jar jar abrams like awful jar jar that abrams. movie sucks uh philip seymour hoffman is the only redeemable aspect of that film yes, absolutely everything else is fucking trash fuck the rabbit's foot or whatever the MacGuffin is okay but i'm i mean we're we're supposedly doing um domino here but oh, like just sorry, fucking folks. no no but but it would just mean like side 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 little detour here for mission impossible 3 where, where the the rabbit's foot is the MacGuffin for that movie, but we are literally told at the end of the movie, you don't need to know yes. what it is. It's yep. just very important. That's all it is. Yep. JJ's mystery box. Fuck him. I mean, it even has like some of the worst like gadgets that movie. Like the gadgets are mm-hmm. literally like remote turrets at one point. Like that's it. Yes. It's the only yes. gadget I can remember from that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the, the second one is like, we we might have to do Mission Impossible two yeah, on the show. We should. Yeah. It's it's it it's not critically loved or appreciated, but like th- there's a lot to love in it from from our perspective. I think. Oh yeah, for sure. I watched it recently. It holds up. Really uh, nice. Yeah. Fanny yeah. Newton is great. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, she she's good. Um, 
Ving Rhymes is in it. He's yep. he's good. Yep. Um, he's in every Tom one Cruise. of them. Him and Tom Cruise are, are the yep. constants. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. So, yeah. Back to Domino. So, Domino by uh, Brian De Palma. So, Brian De Palma had not made a film in seven years. Uh, in 2012, he made another film, uh, a singular title film called Passion. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was actually a remake of a French film called Love Crimes. That's the most French name yeah. title imaginable. <laughs> I think he actually got like French and German funding for that film. Uh, similar nice. to this film, like he got just like shady European funding for this film. Um, he, he said it was a troubled production. He said like um, he just waited around in whole hotel rooms for money. Uh, he was apparently <laughs> in Europe for 100 days and only shot 30 of those days. Damn. Yeah, he shot in uh, Spain uh, in two of the locations of the film, actually, Malaga Malanga and Almeria, uh, and then he also shot in Copenhagen. So the actual locations mm-hmm. in this film, more or less. Yeah, the only one I don't think they shot in um, Belgium, Brussels. They didn't shoot there. I think they probably just used Copenhagen as uh, okay. as Brussels. Yeah, that that makes sense. A lot of um, one of my favorite aspects of this film was the locations that they actually went to and shot. And I think they got a lot of mileage out of the interior sets that they were able to find. Yeah, um, for sure. Or construction. Because, because like, I don't know if they made them or, or just found yeah. them, but they're pretty great. Yeah, every everything feels like it belongs where we're told that it's taking place. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, it's pretty obvious they had a small budget. Like, a lot of the sets, we see them from the same angle, more or less, constantly. Yes. Um, yeah. And we can talk about that a little bit more. But, I mean, he gets, like you said, he gets a lot of mileage out of those mm-hmm. those ang- camera angles i mean that's like that's his bread and butter right like yeah. amazing camera angles um so yeah this film takes place in copenhagen and spain uh this year actually yeah. uh, notably <laughs> it takes place in 2020 oddly <laughs> it, enough. a specific day to june 10th yeah. <laughs> 2020 so june, june 10th 2020 is officially domino day yeah mark your calendars uh jamie lannister will uh chase terrorists uh, around yes. europe uh yes <laughs> so um I, maybe we should actually i think it's important maybe to put a, a content warning up front on this one um there's uh, a lot of uh pretty violent shit happening and i think it also just uh is too close to home maybe for some people um it mirrors a lot of stuff that's happened in the news in the last like two to three years yeah this is a very topical film um especially it's it's depiction of violence um lots of live stream well not lots but like it includes live streamed um uh shootings and martyrdoms and um and bombings and it's effective and it's kind of mind-blowing in a lot of ways and and really intense and really good um but just just be aware of that if you're going to this movie yeah yeah definitely um in the cast we have uh nicolaj costerwaldo as um as the lead christian um we also have carsey von houten guy pierce eric ubwani mohammed azay paprika steen thomas w gibrielson john lange soren maling and Jay Potoff, Potoff, um, lots of lots of European and Arabic names there for me to for me to like tongue twist my name around. But um, the cast yeah. is very good in this movie. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't think there's like a single American actor in this movie at all. Like mostly European I mean, actors. I mean, Guy Pierce is uh, Australian. He's the only too. one. He's the, he's the only one. Contemporary American audiences would be aware yeah, of. I think, but he's Australian. Yeah. So 
not even an American actor, but yeah, he's done a ton of American stuff. Well, I would think yeah. most American audiences would be familiar with uh, Nicola Coster, whatever his last name the is. The Jamie Lannister. Yeah, Jamie Lannister. Yeah, and, yeah. well, Carice Van Houten, she was in Game of Thrones as well. I Neither of us watched that show, but sure. yeah, I understand I mean, yeah. that she was also in that show. Uh, <laughs> some character. I don't know. No, that makes sense. Um, and we, we did find, we, we tweeted about this just... I tweeted about this while I was watching the movie, but um, Eric Ubwani as um, as Ezra Tarzi is probably the MVP for this movie. Yeah, he's um, incredible. He, he's just he's a he's a live wire. He's he's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's been in some Brian De Palma films uh, before. Yeah, uh, he was in uh, Femme Fatale. Um, kind of an unfortunate character, actually. Um, kind of a, a racist stereotype, but um, <laughs> he's a great actor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Brian De Palma, you know, I mean. He's been criticized a lot for a lot of things, um, uh, misogyny, uh, racism. Uh, <laughs> the, the standard uh, famous director uh, hit list of, yeah. of, of faux pas. Uh, yeah. Transphobia in the film Dress to Kill. Yep. Yep. Um, and I mean, that th- those things aren't those things aren't not valid i guess that's my double negative there Th- those, those things are those valid. things are valid those are valid criticisms <laughs> those, things are not, those things are not <laughs> unvalid um yeah and, and i mean that that's tricky to come to grips with and um i'm not trying to absolve De Palma here but um w- with a lot of movies kind of from someone of his of his um stature and background i, I feel like that's almost a given like a certain a certain type of um a certain degree of of stereotypes and stock characters that you you use for your movies. Yeah, and that's actually um, his defense. That's mostly what he says. Like, really? Yeah, it's kind <laughs> of his defense. Like, he's like, "Oh, I make you know, kind of B movie, um, mm-hmm. you know, thrillers, and this is exactly what you'd get out of these kind of films." Yeah, and so I mean, take that, that with for that what tracks from what I from what I know of his sensibilities. Like, yeah. I'm I'm not gonna say you have to like him, but it's it's to be expected i guess if if you go into this type of b movie cuz cuz he's he's known as like one of those directors that takes b movie material and elevates it to to like a movie status yeah i mean snake eyes perfect example i can't mm-hmm. even tell you what that movie's about honestly but uh it's your standard it's gam- like uh, gambling yeah <laughs> it's gambling it's kind of like an elmer leonard movie or an elmer leonard story like come to life not written mm-hmm. by elmer leonard um Kind of like um, the spiritual forefather to Uncut Gems. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, that's topical. It, it hey. has a gem in it as well. So there's that's that what ruby. I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the last shot. That's right. I mean, the the post credit sequence. So it's not a spoiler. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, that is. Uh, that's just all our takes. Actually, at the end, we're just going to replace all our takes with that. <laughs> that Snake Eyes is the, the precursor to Uncut Gems. Yes. Um, so I guess let's get into this film. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it is about terrorism. Uh, it is about ISIS, actually. Yep. Ex- explicitly yeah, so. Explicitly. I mean, they say ISIS a thousand times, and it's about, yep. I, like, they're ISIS, you know, fighters and such. Yep. Um, it made no money at all. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, a uh, budget of six million of, you know, shady European dollars. Um, and then box office of four hundred twenty-six thousand dollars. That's it. Jesus Christ! So, yeah. me piggybacking off of your Netflix Netflix rental is literally like 
0.2% of this movie's gross. Basically. <laughs> yeah. That's, mm. That is insane. Yeah. Uh, it was not released in the U.S. Uh, it wasn't even released in the U.K. Uh, actually, it was not released to any uh, English-speaking audiences. Uh, nor was it released in like the bigger markets like China or somewhere in Asia. Uh, it was released in Croatia, Hungary, Russia, Italy, Lithuania, Portugal, and Ukraine. Damn. That's it. Those are the only markets it was released in. That is wild. <laughs> yeah. It was video on demand after that. I don't know. I, I feel much better about including this movie in our, in our show now. Like, yeah. if it if if we can convince one other person to watch this movie, it, th- <laughs> this episode will have been worth it. I actually didn't know this movie existed until I was reading um, a critic who uh, writes for N Plus One, the magazine mm-hmm. N Plus One. Mm-hmm. Uh, As uh, Hamra is his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's great. I almost included his review, but like he likes it, so I couldn't include his review. We have to tag um, him on, on Twitter when we drop this. Yeah, yeah. we should. Uh, he does have a Twitter. He's not very active, but he's on there. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he wrote about Domino. Like it was just, I just saw the word Domino, and I was like, whatever. And then like the first sentence was Brian De Palma's new film. I was like, wait, what the fuck? I didn't know this existed, and it's because it wasn't released in America. That's why. Jesus. Basically buried. I mean, this film was basically buried. Uh, they wanted no one to see that. Uh, buried in part by BDP himself because we have a couple quotes here um, about the <laughs> about the production. Yeah. Um, and, and De Palma says, It was a very difficult situation, a film that was underfinanced. I was in many hotel rooms waiting for the money so we could continue shooting. I was in many fabulous cities waiting in, hot- in hotel rooms. I was here 100 days in Europe and shot 30. However, we somehow managed to make a movie out of this completely chaotic production situation, and hopefully you'll be seeing it in your local cinemas sometime in the future. <laughs> you will not, folks. <laughs> Sorry. You will not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, De Palma goes, goes on to say, I never experienced such a horrible movie set. A large part of our team has not even been paid yet by Danish producers. The film is finished and ready to go out, but I have no idea what the future will hold. It is currently in the hands of the producers. This is my first experience in Denmark and most likely my last. Something is rotten in the state of Denmark. Exactly. And it yes. is the producers of this film. Jesus fuck Christ. Them. Yeah. That, uh. Fuck them. <laughs> stiffing, stiffing the crew. Uh, causing stress for Brian here. Um, man, and, and that's crazy because like, like I was saying earlier, like one of my favorite aspects of this movie is the locations. So yeah. the fact that like they were, I, I imagine like this, like, like this, like ramshackle roadside crew, just like lugging equipment around and, and they managed to get some pretty striking shots. Mm-hmm. Um, well, probably when you spend a hundred days in three locations, yes. Um, you kind of like you get the feel for the space, and you're like, oh yeah, that'd be cool. Shoot yep. there, It'd be cool if we shoot over here. Yep. Um, I mean, I'm I don't sure they think had people waste that much time uh, location scouting for generally any other movie. I'm sure they had weeks of downtime, just just like hanging out and, and like, hey, this this building would be cool for for a set piece or yeah. whatever. Yeah, it's got to be. I mean, it's that's incredible. Yeah, 100 days shooting 30 of that. for for I an 89 minute movie. <laughs> Yeah, 80, that's also, that's, yeah, that should be noted. 89 minutes, not even 90. Good. It's an 89 Good job. <laughs> and honestly, it's really like 86 because the credits start mm-hmm. around 86 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's true. So, incredible folks. Roughly 80-minute runtime. Yeah. And my understanding, though, is that he was able to, he was at least in the editing room. 
there were rumors going around that it was actually an 148 minute film that was cut down but he dispelled those rumors he says this is my cut of the film the only thing he wasn't allowed to do was some ADR basically but this is his film for the most part Um, I think probably just the bad memories of the production is why he's more or less disavowed it Um, so yeah the the Rotten Tomato score is low um, as to be expected uh, the tomato meter is 33%, audience score 19%, so kind of standard standard ratio for, for the pro-con uh, flicks that we usually pick here. And we're pretty close in terms of the like the volume of reviews. You have 64 Rotten Tomatoes, mm-hmm. like actual critic reviews, and you have 69. Nice. Nice. Uh, <laughs> audience scores. So, I mean, that's pretty close. Yeah. Um, those 69 people are stupid, as are the other 64. Yep. Um, one of the 69, one of the user reviews, is by a super reviewer, which mm-hmm. I learned yesterday Excuse is a, is a designation on Rotten Tomatoes. It's a nerd. Uh, this man's name is, or, or woman, I don't know, uh, Gimli M. <laughs> uh, Gimli is spelled G-I-M-L-Y, not G-I-M-L-I. Yes, not the, not the Lord uh, of the so Rings spelling. Yeah, it's, it must not be Lord of the Rings reference. Uh, but Gimli M writes, "Holy shit! This was a Brian De Palma movie." <laughs> I mean, I, I understand the confusion, but like, it, Gimli, come on, it's good. It it also says it in the twice, yeah, like in the credits. Yeah. So I don't know what to tell. I you mean, there, Gimli's Gimli's trying to be like snarky, like, uh, eh, he used to be such a good uh, like an auteur back in the day when he did like Mission Impossible. Like that's what they were going for, I think. Yeah, but also, like, I don't know. I think you have to have a certain brain disease to be a super reviewer on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah. Maybe this person actually didn't know that Brian De Palma made this movie until they looked it up on, like, IMDb later. That's the equivalent of being a blue check mark in Twitter. Yes. Yeah. Or, like, um, you can be a. You get, like, a little diamond thing on Facebook. Top. I, I, like, top fan, I think. Yeah, top fan. <laughs> <laughs> the the only the only time top fan was good was when um back when i had facebook i i liked the um the the ralph bakshi um fan page they they offered that top fan status to me on the ralph bakshi art nice. fan page yeah did you take it no i i didn't because it was because yeah, i don't compromise I, I don't capitulate yeah. i don't give in to them <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a proletarian commenter of course not yeah it's like when they uh they ask us if we want to use five of their dollars to uh, promote a post yes, like, on the ProCon. No, goddamn you. No, we don't want, <laughs> no, we don't want your blood you. money. No one's going to click on that link even if they see it. Exactly. So what's the point? Um, so we do have a review here from um, one of the best named uh, critics, but uh, he's I don't he's not very good. Um, his name is uh, Kevin uh, Jaegernot. Yes. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, he's of the playlist... Um, which was good once, and then it got bought by IndieWire, and now it's trash. Yeah, enough said. Jesus. Yeah. They used to actually be really snarky. Like, they used to, like, basically hate every movie, nice. more or less. Nice. Especially, like, really popular films. Even, like, you know, they would be pretty down on a film like Iron Man 2. And then they got bought out by IndieWire, and then they're just, like, fawning over all this shit. Sure. Now. Yeah. Um, so, Jaeger not writes uh watching domino is an exercise in seeing de palma working with a budget that seems to have been evaporating during production i mean that's true yeah that is a true story but i mean 
as everyone knows, constraints make art better. Yes. Uh, especially for De Palma, yep. honestly. Uh, so, uh, Eagernet continues. Uh, from shoddy studio sets to chintzy digital effects, the filmmaker fights a losing battle against low production values that undermine him at every step of the way. <laughs> I, I, I can't vocalize this, but I made a disgusted face on, on Skype here. Yeah, to, to the he list. Yeah. I can attest to that. Um, I should probably keep reading and not stop at every sentence. Yeah, I mean, like, every sentence is awful. Hold your comments to uh, the end, please, pro con reviewers. <laughs> Uh, I forgot where it was. Oh, here we go. Uh, the film feels defeated before it even really gets rolling, and it's a shame because there are flashes of De Palma trying to make his mark in a situation he simply couldn't win. Domino is peppered with De Palma familiar flourishes, wide shot to slow zoom close-ups, split diopter shots, and the aforementioned split screen. Uh, this is somewhere in the middle of the review. That's why he says aforementioned, yep. although I have not mentioned the word split screen. Uh and an elaborate stage, if somewhat goofy, ticking clock, climactic final sequence that bounces effectively between two locations. These are suggestions of a much better film had the director been given half the chance. However, De Palma isn't completely absolved from responsibility for the film's shortcomings. Yes, he is. Film- <laughs> yes, he, <laughs> yes, he is. is. I agree, 100%. He is. Shut the fuck up, Yeager not. Um, he continues here, and I think that he gets—he kind of gets into what he what he's talking, what he says. You know, he's not absolved of sure. his responsibilities. Uh, he says filmmakers have made far better films uh, with worse circumstances. Um, outside of the film set pieces, De Palma doesn't seem to have given it a damn. I, you know, honestly, guys, I'm not sure he's ever given a damn outside of the film set pieces. But I, we can argue that at another time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Continue, please. <laughs> The director inspires some astonishingly wooden acting from uh, uh, Jamie Lannister, uh, <laughs> who seems at a loss about motivations of his character. And while Guy Pierce leans into his smarmy CIA executive with absolute, wildly entertaining glee, he manages to survive Domino mostly because he was decided to act in an entirely different movie than everybody else. Uh, tonally, the film is off balance. De Palma enlists his frequent collaborator Pino Donaggio for the score, but the composer is simply the wrong choice. Donaggio's less orchestration, which at its best in De Palma's films, builds operatic tension that releases in ecstatic climaxes, is entirely at odds with the door story that attempts to reflect contemporary geopolitical realities. Okay, so this this fuckface, um, Jägermeister, um, he, not only did he fail to mention Ebwani, but he also shat on the score. Yeah, which I know. I don't know what he was watching. Like, I... It's incredible. There's no accounting for taste, but like Jesus, yeah. dude, you. It's it's one of Dinaggio's best scores. Yeah. Uh, at least one of his best like De Palma scores. So he's worked with him eight times. This is his eighth time. I don't know, like that that because I mean we'll get to it when we do the plot rundown. But like the at the climax of the movie, um, in in the in the bullfighting ring, like it's it's like this operatic like 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 Gagernoth, was saying like there's this operatic swelling of like these these violins and these and these cellos and these in these strings and like there's like all, all switching between the two locations and um and the music goes in and out and everything's moving in slow motion and it works extremely well i don't i don't know what his beef with that is like yeah. what the hell no i think the score works in every single set piece i mean yes. granted, there's only three of them and um you know they're not all as you know bombastic as the last one but i mean i still think it works so yeah i don't know i what movie he was watching he's wrong just like 
literally every sentence is wrong besides the part where he says that uh De Palma has uh, his touchstone flourishes. Like that's true. That's right. Yeah, and they're great. And I guess the the when when he brought up that you could like sense that the movie was working with limited resources, that is not inaccurate. Um, he he just draws the wrong conclusion because like right the like I said like the limitations made the final products more efficient and, and tighter and um and better. They they worked to the yeah. film's advantage. Yeah. I mean, I, w- I will say, like, if we're going to get into loads of content, I would say I, I kind of wish this movie was a tad longer, but not, you know, I mean... In a pro-con first, we wish it was longer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't want it to be two hours. Maybe, like, an hour 40. Hour 35, hour 40 would be yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Just a little bit more. Just, just the, a little bit more, guys. The, I, I wish the film had some kind of denouement with um with Ubani's character. Um, yeah. Or, or even like the char- the 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 bit characters that are associated with his character, um, right? Some some kind of like, like like after just resolution um, would would have worked a lot better. The movie just kind of like ends abruptly. Hmm. Hmm. Um. Yeah. Not very surprising though. I don't know. Yeah. Like it. Um, Although the last few De Palma films have been a lot like that, like Redacted and Passion, um, they're they're very anticlimactic films. And and I guess you could say thematically and and tonally, um, the the kind of brutal ending works with what happens. I think so. Yeah, well, that's my read of it at least. Yeah. Um, so I guess the only other uh, piece of loathsome content we have is that, um. It's somewhat an Islamophobic film. Yeah. Uh, if you want to read it yeah. that way, I think you can. It's there's a case for that. Uh, and, so and it's I, fairly unfortunate. And I think more, more relevantly, um, some th- there's really no way to say this, but some some dumb people, some low information, just quote unquote low information voter people, like people who aren't aware of geopolitical um, circumstances of of the Islamic world. Um, might see this movie and it, and it, it would um, buttress existing Islamophobic sentiment. Yeah, no, I think so. Honestly, if you just, if you find this film on Netflix, exactly, exactly, that's you know nothing about it, you could just be like, yep, this reinforces all my ideas about people from the Middle East. Yeah, it, it, it definitely plays into like 2007 kind of Bush era. Um, like Michael Bay esque, just like oh yeah, just, we're watching operators do their thing, and they're and they're and they're hacking the mainframe, and they're and they're running, and they're like pulling their guns out, and they're they got a race to the, they got a race to the city center and stop the Islamic terrorists from detonating the bomb. It, it it just uses a lot of that shorthand in a way that I don't think a lot of people know is even shorthand. Yeah, exactly. Um but uh, you know, to defend Brian De Palma in this moment, he does I don't it know well. If he needs it, but I mean, this is kind of what he does. <laughs> exactly. And exactly. He makes the best out of the script he was given. Um, he did say that he did not write the script, and this is not his movie. Mm. Um, that's why he's okay, more okay with disavowing it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But I, mean, I, I even think, like, I mean, I think the generous read we will both come to fairly soon um is that i don't know it doesn't paint like the the white people any better yeah um ultimately the the main 
antagonist, the main villain of this movie, um, is the CIA. Yeah. Which, which, which kind of saves it at the end for me. Um, and it does a lot to redeem the kind of the simplistic caricature um, of the of the Islamic characters. Um, and there there is actually a, a very sympathetic portrayal of of one um, of one Muslim character. Um, the Fatima, I think her name is. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that that yeah. kind of adds some more nuance and wrinkles to this. Um, but yeah, I, I, it it just should be mentioned that like that the 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 cannon fodder of this movie is ISIS insurgents living yeah. in in Copenhagen, which is like, all right, we get it. You don't, you don't like immigration, okay? It's like yeah, yeah. No, I would like to. Um see an interview of the with the man who wrote this screenplay um because it is um it's just full of them like the the muslim panic basically you know it's like they're among us they live in uh they live in you know the uh the public housing high rises they live next to us they live they They live live next to us they live above our cafes stuff like that so it it is rather unfortunate um and um yeah uh, I'm not, but I'm not sure Brian De Palma wrote it himself would be any better. Honestly, I don't. You know, his politics aren't very smart. Um, he would. I, I. I think he would do more to obscure the 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 politis the 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 politicized charge behind everything, and it would have um. It it would have enough like stylistic elements that that wouldn't that that wouldn't feel as like as sharp that that kind of edge. I think that's fair. I mean, he even said that he wasn't really interested in the politics of this film. Like he was really just interested in like the visual language, which I think is like, which is something lot, that we should put on his tombstone well. basically. Yeah. Like that's like, that's <laughs> kind of Brian De Palma. Like he's just like, I don't care about the politics. Like I just like making like interesting images using like new technology basically. He, he's, he's um, the Oscar Wilde of cinema. Um, <laughs> he doesn't, it's, all art is quite useless. Meaning it just, it just needs to look pretty and that's all I care about. Um, yeah. I mean, it's kind of Brian De Palma, but yeah. I think he's, I don't know, worth defending. Yes, uh, yes. Um, <laughs> we're going to keep saying that. But <laughs> but to get into this movie, so so we're introduced to two two cops in Copenhagen, uh, Lars and Christian. Um, and the introduction of them is great, honestly. I yeah. The introduction of these characters. I like the, I like the relationship. Like uh, Lars yeah. is the older, experienced cop. Mm-hmm. Christian's just kind of like a fuck up, a, a younger fuck up. Um, they they get out and they get coffee, and they're just they're just like complaining about the price of coffee together at, yeah. at the cafe. Yeah, he's like, oh, twenty kroner for a cup of coffee. Yeah, that's forty three uh, actually. That's, yeah. wow, <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, it's uh, what was not good is my impersonation of yeah, the sky Lars. <laughs> um, and there's one early shot that kind of uh, when I saw it, I'm like, yes, this this is why we're watching this movie. Um, Lars has a one night, not Lars, Lars, Lars is the older married one. Yeah. Christian, Christian. has a one night stand w- with, with some woman he meets. And, um, it, it's the morning after when Lars is picking him up for their shift as, as like patrol beat cops. And there's this very slow zoom in. Like the camera is set on the ceiling of like Christian's apartment and yeah, it's, it's like zooming in very, very slowly, but like quickly enough that you can notice um, onto his nightstand where he left his holstered gun and and the woman is like oh come back to bed i love you and christian's like oh no i gotta go i gotta go he's pulling on his shirt and do, like the two of them are doing things around the nightstand 
but the camera's very, very, like, slowly and steadily moves in on the gun on his nightstand. And it takes, like, a good two minutes to do, to do that. Yeah. And then we we just continue on. And and that is so memorable, and it is such, like, a De Palma thing. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. The slow zoom is uh, is very De Palma. The slow zoom, and you remember that that goddamn gun is on his, his nightstand. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. when Lars and Christian get called into they 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 accept a call um of like domestic dis- dispute and yeah domestic apartment. dispute is what they say yeah yeah and, and, and like some some common like some um public housing when they go in christian is missing his handgun because he left it there yeah yeah no i mean it's uh i think you know there's uh there's ways other filmmakers would do this um in in very um yeah you know it's funny to actually say that other filmmakers are doing it in more obvious ways because yeah. like you know you think this is pretty obvious like you're literally zooming in on a gun but yeah. um it's memorable it's different uh it's not the the usual like screenplay beats mm-hmm. you know like it's just like things are pretty wild in the beginning of this film like really nothing happens and then no no shot is really memorable until that shot even yes Yes. And then you're like, oh shit, like this this movie is starting right now. Yeah. Like this is it. This is the inciting incident. And we get some nice characterization because like uh Lars is like buzzing remotely Christian's door buzzer and Christian's trying to get out of bed, but the woman keeps like pulling him back into bed and he's like, oh, Okay, fuck it. Like I'll I'll make out for a little bit with you in bed. Like like he's distracted, like he's not all there, he's not with it. Um so th- there's there's like an economical use of that of that like 90 seconds too it, it's yeah. not just zooming in on the gun no exactly um yeah it's just great great blocking great composition in general mm-hmm. um so yeah then they go to this apartment complex um they are told there's a man named i believe uh farouk haras is the name of the individual yeah, Fru- yeah uh, that's and they, and they um they get in the elevator and uh, a man gets on the elevator with them, and that is uh, the character. Well, it's the actor, uh, Eric Buone. Um, Eric Buone. Yeah, and they uh, they think he is this character, this guy, Frucaras. Um, but he he that the character is um, Ezra Tarzi, yeah, who we'll become acquainted with later in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but he notably he he has bloody sneakers. Yeah, and that's um, another so- De Palma thing too, like. Um, like noticing small details on somebody's appearance, like on on their on their clothing, on on their on their accessories, um, and 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 that having like monumental importance for for a realization within yeah. the plot. Yeah, that's true. Um, can't think of anything in this moment, but I know it's there. I know it. I know that happens in other movies. I mean, like I'm thinking of like specific shots in like Mission Impossible, um, with like. I don't know. I I haven't seen Mission Impossible in a while, but I, I think I remember like somebody sweating and like that's like real like realizing something important. Yes, mm-hmm. you're right about that. Um, oh, I can't remember. Maybe it's John Voight at the end of the movie, like when when they're in the train. It's the the facial the f- ripping the face off thing. Yes, that's what yes, it is. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. Yeah. So. Um, they uh they apprehend um the the person who they think is uh Frucares, uh because christian goes 
Well, actually, no. They they apprehend him because they mm-hmm. see the blood on his shoes. And then Christian, uh, he goes upstairs, but this is when he realizes he doesn't have his gun. Yes. So <laughs> he takes his partner's gun. He says, hey, Lars, can I have your gun? Fail sign moment of the movie. Very fail sign moment. Uh, I forgot uh, my gun at my house. Oh, <laughs> he did. I forgot my gun. Exactly. Can uh, I borrow yours? Yeah. Okay, son. Yeah, yeah. so Lars... Uh, He's like, yeah, fine. Like, and they have uh, Farouk, aka Ezra, in handcuffs. Uh, Christian goes upstairs with the gun. He sees the actual Farouk Harris, uh dead. His uh, throat has been slit. His fingers yep. have been cut off. Uh, it's pretty obvious that he was tortured to death. Yep. Um, but also in a crate of vegetables, we see he has like a suicide vest mm-hmm. and a, uh, scorpion machine gun, a Scorpio machine gun. Don't know what that is, but I remember them saying that at one point. Uh, and then Christian realizes, oh shit, I should get downstairs because that guy just did this to this individual. Uh, so as he runs downstairs, uh, Ezra Tarsi is, uh, he breaks his thumb so he can get his hand yeah. out of his uh, sh- out of the shackles, uh, and then he cuts uh, Lars's throat with yep. uh, a small blade, and he jumps out of the window. Um, and and one and this is one of the reasons I like the location um, scouting so much is because they they del- they deliberately chose a um, an apartment complex that had like the the stair landings next to these big pane windows yeah um and and they're not like too big but they're big enough that like you have a nice view of the copenhagen skyline um and they're right there and they're not too they they don't take too much of of the screen but it's like big enough that like you think okay maybe someone's gonna get thrown through that window at some point Mm -hmm. um but it's not like in your face but when someone does get thrown through that window when um when Christian and Christian and Ezra scuffle and Ezra's pushed through the window, like, oh, you're like, okay, yeah, good. Like I, I was waiting for the, like you set it up. It was there. It wasn't in my face, but it was, it was there off to the side and then it happened. And then they have their little chase across the rooftop. Yeah. The rooftop chase is great. Um, it's parkour. Like, we uh, get, we get some realistic yeah. parkour. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, it's like kind of like clay shingles more or less, I guess. I don't know what that kind of, yeah like, is considered i think it's shingles um it, it's like very old world european like like shingle shingle roofs and they and and the, they don't even go very far like they no, they fall out the window they fall out the window onto the first immediate roof that's right there and then they they make like an l shape and like they start and then they start um hanging onto the the rain gutter with their hands and then they fall and that's it yeah Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty great when Christian jumps out of the window, though, because like the the force of the impact of his ass on the shingles just like busts the whole roof more or yes. less. And he almost falls off. Yes, uh, actually, he loses his gun in that moment. He loses gun. Sec- he yeah. loses his Lars's gun. <laughs> he loses Lars's gun in that moment. It he falls, drops it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and then yeah, he kind of just like scurries across the roof to get Ezra. Ezra latches on to the rain gutter so does christian um but they're too heavy so it breaks and they both fall onto a crate of tomatoes that actually was foregrounded in an earlier shot and the same crate of tomatoes was also in farouk's apartment that's right the the same the same company the same brand of tomato crate was it's like si or something like that 
Paris we learn it's a Spanish company later yeah, on. Par- yeah. Um, but yeah, t- basically tomatoes are to this movie as what oranges are to the Godfather yes. saga. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, but Farouk is, uh, not Farouk, um, Ezra, Ezra is, is, um, is zapped with a taser and, in, in abducted by some kind of spook looking men in suits. Um, and they also get a photograph of, um, of Christian. Yeah. Guy Pierce does. Yeah. It's, it's Guy, you, you see him at this point. Guy it's Guy Pierce. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um. And then we we kind of jump to Ezra being held by Guy Pierce in in his other CIA spooks, uh, who and this is where we find out that um, the CIA is involved. Yeah, yeah. So they kind of have like a like a CIA black site set up in like the suburbs of Copenhagen, like, like a nice hotel room, <laughs> and it's like I think it's like a house. Like it looks like it's just yeah. like someone's house yeah. that they like acquisitioned more or less. Um, it's funny actually the the set. There's like a dining room set and like off to the side, I think in the left portion of the screen, there's like a Buddha statue. Yes. And then upper right, there's like some weird impressionistic painting. It looks like like a like a new like someone who's like new age owns this house. Uh, and then like here's the CIA um, and they're like, hey, yeah, we have your whole family. Uh, we're going to use them as leverage and you're going to do our dirty work now. How's that sound? Because we, as we learn, um, th- this is intercut with scenes of Christian uh, l- learning from his his superiors um, at the police office that um, Ezra is a former Copen- like a Denmark special special forces agent. Uh, yeah, no, well, he was in the military. He did military service, and he was special forces in Denmark. Right. Like he's from Libya. His parents are no. His his parents are from Libya, and they settled in Denmark. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and then he did his military service there, special forces, and then um, his, his parents go back to Libya because after Gaddafi was killed, um, they want to take part in like the rebuilding of the country. Yes, um, because his parents are like highly educated; they're like doctors or something. Um, but then, of, of course, they're they're captured by ISIS and they're beheaded uh, in a pretty graphic, yeah. uh, not YouTube video that we mm-hmm. watch yeah we've seen a few times too yeah um the beheading of the father uh yeah several times it's pretty it's pretty graphic um it's yeah, not it's, youtube quality although like i don't know they kind of do make a point of saying that like the isis guys like did have good production value and they they did actually so like that's I don't know, a, that's that's a scene that like really accurate yeah he, he's explaining to his new partner alex um that this this officer alex and he, he's like to her yeah, they have like drones and they have like special effects and everything. Like they they're making a production out of this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not wrong. I mean, no. I guess that is the truth. Um, but still, it's it's fairly graphic. I mean, it's a very graphic beheading. So if you don't want to see that, uh, don't watch this movie. I couldn't even tell you where to stop because we like literally do see it maybe three times. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a recurring image. Um, throughout the film um we also learn at this point that ezra's family is being held by the cia and cia agent douchebag guy pierce is um intimidating his son yeah musa his son yeah. musa with the the knife that 
Ezra had used to kill Frukaras, actually. And He's then, like, oh, you see this knife? This knife's killed a lot of men. Yeah. Uh, and he, like, puts the knife to his throat, actually. Then he's like, oh, you want to see a picture of a man he killed? and then Or, or the man this knife has killed? And he shows, you know, these gruesome photos of Frukaras with his, his throat slit and his fingers cut off. And he's like, you want to see a picture of the man who did it? Um, and uh, actually, Ezra is watching this on a video feed, and he says, stop. And then, you know, Guy Pierce's character stops before he shows Musa, the son of the, his son, the photo of his father, uh, who is, you know, in this case, the killer. Um, this this is some of the more redeeming aspects of the movie because um, Guy Pierce, CIA agent, explicitly is use, he, he states outright like to Ezra and to other characters that he's using Ezra um, as an asset to yeah. find um um, Aldean, the, Aldean. The, the current terrorist they're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he even says he's like, uh, you know, we can go to Libya and, you know, the CIA can just kill people. We can cut people's head off. We can torture them. Nobody cares. But when we're in fairy tale Denmark, uh, yep. we have to get people like you yep. to be our assets. Yep. Um, so Which it's is, pretty damning of the CIA. It like, is. That shit's real. Like CIA yep. does stuff like that. So yeah, we we have the stakes set up. Um, Ezra has to has to find this this current ISIS mastermind. Um, actually, his name was interesting. His name was um, Salah Al Din, which phonetically made me think of Saladin, who was the um, famous. Um, I think he was a prime minister or a caliph in in the time of the Crusades. But he was, gotcha. he was, he was known as like a particularly honorable knight. Like even the Europeans who were conducting the Crusades respected him. Hmm. And so, like, to, so to take like a name that sounds like Saladin and make him like this despicable terrorist character is kind of, it's just like muddying, yeah. muddying the historical Saladin. Um, but yes, yeah, Saladin is, is is an ISIS uh, sheik, and he's um, he has these plans to like basically make terrorism viral, right. And and the CIA wants Ezra to find him because yeah. Ezra's skilled at doing that shit. He's also from Libya, or at least he does a lot of business in Libya, mm-hmm. um, or a lot of terrorism in Libya. And um, Ezra does blame Aldine for his father's death. Right. We actually the 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 footage from the beheading. I, I think it's Aldine cutting off. Ezra's father's death. I don't know. The person has a lot of like just wrappings on their head. Actually, that, sure that's true. Can, yeah, but yeah. like. I think that the idea is like Aldine orchestrated that. Right. Yeah. That's, I think, true. Definitely. Because he later he's like gun running between uh, Spain and Libya. So like Aldine has a connection to Libya. Right. Um, in in the midst of this, or, or I mean, I mean, going going along the same the same time as that, we have Christian and Alex trying to find Ezra because Ezra killed Lars. And we learn that um Alex was having an affair with Lars and is also pregnant with his kid. Yeah, that was fucking wild. <laughs> I was not expecting that. <laughs> Randomly, we find out as, as they're taking a plane to, I think, southern the south of Spain. I think when well they're driving. I think when they're driving to Brussels at this point, because they're in they're in the car when she right. shows him all the pictures. She's like, they get they get the call from Lars's wife Hannah that Lars has finally de- died. Right. Lars was kind of on life support. They said he was going to be brain dead, but then he just like, he kicks the bucket entirely. Hanna and that calls. Just really quick. That was an interesting twist. Like the fact that like he got injured really badly and he was still conscious through it, but then he dies yeah. anyway. 
mm-hmm. like you don't you don't really see that in movies a lot like um like like when a when a when a character with lines like like not just a bit character is wounded to the degree that they they're severely incapacitated but they're still talking and they're, just, and they're still conscious but then despite that they still die that, that yeah. was very like unique yeah i mean he like when he gets his throat cut he's he's talking to christian he kind of even explains what happens and then we just yeah. see him and this is a, this is very de palma like when christian and ezra are doing their parkour on the roof um christian he will continually look back and he'll look at that window and he'll see Lars in the window. Lars is actually like on the floor and he's kind of hunched over the window. And we continually see him looking back at Lars, you know, like he's, his, you know, his, his attention is diverted. Um, mm-hmm. And he, you know, it's just, it's very brand De Palma. It's like, it's a, like a perfect De Palma set piece um, where, you know, there's these different perspectives um, and different things to pay attention to. Yeah. And um, another really cool instance of that is um it's before ezra takes off for the south of spain and before christian and alex start chasing him but he as soon as he's released by the cia and he's like he's like on the hunt for these for these isis people um he's sitting in a car outside of an apartment building that he knows the isis people are are held up in and he's watching Again, like we're, this is like the second or third time that we see it. He's watching the footage of his father's death on his on his um, on his smartphone, but he's holding the smartphone in a in, in like the camera is positioned in such a way that we can see the smartphone and it's very close to the rearview mirror of the car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we see his eyes just like getting like darker and, and harder in the mirror in the rearview mirror, right next to this footage of the cell phone. And that's so good, like having these two like little demarcated uh sections of like imagery just in the in the broader portrait of oh it's just a shot of a car but there's like things going on in, like little windows that it, it's 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 really exciting because brenda palm is like in his, in his 70s and he's yeah. like he's adopting smartphone um footage and and like the like the concept of like this tiny screen where anything can happen inside of a inside of a bigger tableau of the shot and he's just like he just like picked it up and incorporated it into his signature style, which is really cool to see. Yeah, no, it's it's nice to see, especially after his um, his Iraq War film Redacted, which I believe is like 2007. He released it, and he tried to incorporate some like digital technologies and stuff like um, video chats and mm-hmm. and like um, just like cell phone footage and um, like handheld footage, and it was like it's just not very good it doesn't it doesn't look accurate it doesn't like gotcha. it's just it's not a good use of those things it's kind of approximations of all those um so that's interesting that he he did it so well here like he he clearly yeah. learned he's, he's still he learning he learned yeah, exactly yeah, that, that's like, great i mean those technologies were fairly new in 2007 mm-hmm. anyway so i think yeah. he's like he's had time i mean and granted like He's had seven years between this film and his last one, Passion. Like, yeah, <laughs> he's a lot of time to just study, you know, like the visual language of today, more or less. What do you call that? Dioptic or whatever? Diopter? Yeah, the split diopter shots. Um, they're basically in every De Palma film. Um, people would probably most recognize them from uh, actually one of his uh, contemporaries, uh, Steven Spielberg, uh, his film Jaws. Uh, <laughs> a little film, have you heard about it? Uh <laughs> There's a bunch of diopter shots in that. Actually, there was a, a famous or infamous uh, Twitter thread where someone like 
took the diopter shots and just made them like shallow focus shots. Yes, yeah, I remember yeah. that. <laughs> that person was just trolling everybody. I mean, right, 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 yeah. right, right. Uh, it was a troll. But so, let's, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, here's our film term. Uh, split diopter is a lens. It's a piece of half convex glass. So what it does is uh, half of the lens is nearsighted and the other half is a far-sighted lens. So this uh, kind of creates the illusion of deep focus, but what it really does is that um, what is in the background is in focus, what is in the foreground is in focus, but kind of everything in the middle ground is still kind of out of focus. So it's yeah. not your usual deep focus shot where like literally everything, all three parts of the frame are in focus. It's just something very close to you and very far to you. Um, and it almost looks like it's two different pictures. Like it looks like it's almost two different shots put together. Right. Um, stylistically, I, th- I think the most obvious instance of when De Palma in particular does this is when there's a character in an extreme close up on one half of the on one half of the screen. Um, it's usually like half their face or something, or just like their eyeball. Yep. Or or like their 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 brow or something. And then in the other half of the screen, we have someone standing behind them, um, like like five or ten feet away in in kind of in the in the mid ground or the or the background. Um, but they're both in focus. They both look clear and sharp. But like everything, the intervening like blank space is just not in focus whatsoever. Yeah, um, he does it in this film, and I thought it was interesting when he does it in this film because it's really only Ezra who's ever yeah. in yeah. the foreground of the adapter shots. Yes. Um, so when we're first introduced to uh, Ezra when he's in handcuffs, uh, Lars is in the background and Ezra's half of his face is in the foreground. Um, and then another time, I think maybe when he's talking, uh, when he's on the phone with Guy Pierce, when Guy Pierce is like yep. showing his child the the photos of you know the torture, uh, and Ezra's up close, and like the other CIA goon is in the background. Yeah, I, I forget exactly what it is, but it, it it is in that room while his kids being interrogated. Yeah, so. Um, you know, it's it's just a nice way to kind of just uh, distinguish between like just Ezra, his mental space, and these other characters, more yeah. or less. Um, and just I I don't know, Ezra's kind of like somewhat of the protagonist of this movie, more than like Christian, if you want to read it that way, or at least a more um, em- like sympathetic person in this movie. <laughs> I would call him. I would I would call Ezra the main character. He's he's not the protag, or, or I would call him the hero of the movie. Sure. Um, whereas the protagonist is Christian. It's Christian. He, he, it's he's the one that drives the plot. Yeah, he sucks, but... Uh. <laughs> so if you want to make a, a, a literary reference here, as, as we do on the show, uh, this in, in this totally tracks, <laughs> trust me, this is going to be crazy, but um, in, in the book, The Sun Also Rises, the Hemingway, the Hemingway novel, uh, which takes place in Spain and features uh, bullfighting prominently, as this movie does. Damn. Yes. There's this is the an adaptation of that book. <laughs> 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 There's a demarcation between the protagonist uh, Jake Barnes, who's the narrator of the book, and also the and then the the two heroes of the book. Uh, there's the Jewish character um, uh, Robert Kahn, and then Romero, the bullfighter character. They're right. they're the heroes. They're they're the ones that embody Hemingway's notion of um, of grace under pressure, of manliness, which which was his like patriarchal idea of heroism. Um, and I would argue that that's what Ezra exemplifies yeah. in this movie. It's pretty Whereas fair. Christian is just kind of the dopey protagonist narrator that just drives the plot. 
but is um is is not as as much of a hero as Ezra is. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. And it just dawned on me that the main character's name is Christian as well. Yes. Like I don't know, there's got to be some symbolism in there. Yes, we have Christian. We have the um, Salah Aladdin, which is Saladin, as yeah. I got into earlier. Yeah, it's also worth noting that Ezra is a Coptic Christian, so he's yes, we, not Muslim. Which the movie I kind of wish he was. Yeah, just have like the, one sympathetic Muslim character in this movie. I, I guess we should note that like it's important to recognize that the the biggest victims of ISIS and of of, radi- of radical Islamic terrorism, quote unquote, are other Muslims. It's it's yeah. it's they're they're the ones who suffer the most of that. It, it's not the white Christian West. No, in in real life, or the like, yeah. Like the African Christians, yeah. like you know, like the character in this movie. I mean, like, yeah, they they die as well, um, and a lot of the um, like minority populations, like the Druze, uh, people like that. Yeah, they definitely um, they are victim victimized by ISIS. But I mean, like the majority is other Muslims. Yeah, you know, like uh, other other Sunnis even, and mm-hmm. other Shia. Um, do not do not give into imperialistic Western propaganda that that tries to fearmonger about about Muslim um, Muslim extremism, so called. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when Trump says something like, "Oh, we gotta like you know allow all the Christians from the Middle East in America," it's like, yeah. I mean, if you want to do that, that's fine. But um, they're not, you know, as victimized as uh, the millions of Muslims across uh, the. Uh, Mena, as they call it, Middle East and North Africa. So continuing with the plot, um, Christian and Alex chase Ezra um, over to Spain. It's this, I, f- I forget if there's an exact city, but it's like the south of Spain because the idea is he wants to Almeria, take the ferry. I think. Yeah, yeah. He, he wants to take the ferry to Northern Africa um, as a way of like throwing off pursuit from the Copenhagen police because presumably the ferry is, is is less of a security um gauntlet than than the airways and it's also um, just like closer like to libya that, yeah <laughs> too. but i mean like instead of just taking a flight directed to libya yeah yeah exactly right right i mean he can, he can like actually get guns via ferry or like they actually have boats like they have like uh, inflatable rafts mm, they show yes. them at one point loading up with guns and and explosives and then Ezra and no, not Ezra, uh, Christian and Alex stumble upon um, the Aladdin in a really funny way. Oh yeah, no, they literally. Okay, so we're kind of skipping ahead. There's, I think there's a few things we should talk about before we get to that. Like the second set piece in this film, which is, I think maybe the more unsavory set piece for the majority of people listening to this, mm-hmm. um, because it does yes. mirror something that happened in the real world. This in the last is two wild years. Yeah, that this it's was wild. put in a movie. Yeah. Um, it's pr- it probably filmed before it actually happened in real life, though, I would imagine. It, it, it had to have. Had I, to I can't have. imagine. Th- there's no way that, like, this would have been filmed after the, the Christchurch shooting. Yeah. yeah. So the Christchurch shooting in Australia, which was live streamed, um, there is. And that, and that was perpetrated by a white supremacist. So in real uh, life. A, a 4chan guy. It happened by a 4chan asshole. Yeah. Um, in this movie, however, uh, it, Sal Aldean, uh, is he has a pep talk with um, uh, one of uh, his followers, uh, Fatima. Yeah. Uh, and she 
is tasked with uh, doing a live stream uh, at a, I think, the Amsterdam Film Festival. Some red carpet event. Yeah, some red carpet event at a film festival um, where she, this is where De Palma employs his, you know, his famous split screen. Uh, it's great. It's, it's great. It is, it is, a, yeah. it's a great scene. It, it's very powerful, um, but I, it was probably hard for a lot of people to watch. Um, yeah. I can't even imagine if you're someone who follows the alt-right um, on, on Twitter and online, like if you've actually seen the Christchurch video, which I know a lot of people actually have um, mm-hmm. because they do research into this kind of stuff. I, I doubt you could watch this movie. Uh, so if you're one of those people, do not watch this movie. Uh, if you don't think this is something you'd want to expose yourself to, do not watch this movie. Um, but it is it is masterfully done. Um, there is basically like a... So I guess it's basically like two GoPros. One GoPro is recording uh, Fatima's face, and one GoPro is at the um, like the barrel of her machine gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, I mean, it's pretty graphic. Like, there's some headshots. She just there's shoots some, people. Yeah, yeah, there's some just some crazy shit goes down in this. Um, but you know, it's it is Brenda Palma's split screen, um, and it's really well done. A um a a much much easier to watch version of the same technique is in Phantom of the Paradise, um sp- split screen of um and it actually it features a bombing too. Oh my god, it's, that's um, right. It, yeah, yeah. It, it's when it's when the Phantom bombs the production. Yeah. Um. During, hey man, carburetors. That's <laughs> what life is all <laughs> the about. The Boy song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, that's right. The, the Juicy Fruits song. Yeah, the um, Juicy Fruits. <laughs> Um, but what's same same thing? Yeah, same thing. Um, but what's really interesting about this scene, though, like Fatima, throughout this, because you know, um, the split screen, the I think the left portion of the screen is just her face, and it doesn't cut either. Like both sides of the screen are basically long shots. Um, we see her like sweating. She's really not sure what she's doing. She's very panicked. She's very nervous. She's very scared. Um, her gun jams at one point. She's like, what do I do? She's like, do I shoot more people? Like she's pointing a gun at this one actress. She's like, do I shoot her? Like, is this what I'm supposed to do in this moment? Aldine is like talking to her. Like she has a ear Aldine, in. Aldine is wearing a gamer headset. That's right. And dictating her actions. That's right. Yeah. It's wild. It's a, it's ga- it's, ga- it's a gamer shooting. It like, is. A, uh, it, yeah subtextually that's what's going on yeah for sure um and then when her gun jams and she's out of ammo and she's just standing there uh she maximizes the damage by setting off her suicide vest yeah yeah um yeah the the socio-political implications of this whole sequence are it, it's complex there's a lot to get into but yeah. um no, it is. We I mean, we I I think we've given adequate kind of context and adequate like explanation of of what we think going into this. But um, suffice to say, it's it's a very powerful scene and it's very striking. And um, De Palma does it well because because like the 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 bifurcated um scene in like like image in image and in, in, in like screen in screen use like technologies that he uses serve this perfectly and. Uh, we could talk about at the end of our synopsis of the plot too, because we do see this again. Um, yep. So actually, we, we if you don't want to watch this movie, definitely don't watch it all the way through because you'll see this twice. Yep. Um, 
but we can skip ahead now to, I guess, really the next portion of it is just the last set piece, or is there anything else in the middle that we've missed? No, I think that was the biggest, that was the big thing that we had missed, but, um, but yeah, skipping ahead to where Christian and Alex chase down Ezra um, to southern Spain, but then fortunately they they just randomly bump into um aldine yeah because they're 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 driving down the high like th- this freeway and they happen to see him in a passing truck yeah so they're actually like, they're that's following it. one of the trucks one of these fruit trucks the tomato the tomato truck um yeah. they're following one they're like oh that's the truck let's follow it and then like they get to an intersection and Aldine and some other terrorists are in another fruit truck going the opposite direction. And they're like, Holy isn't shit, that him. <laughs> It's great. Okay, so it's then they good. follow him. So at this point, um, Aldine has orchestrated a uh, bombing at a, a bullfight um, in Spain. Um, so at a, at a bull ring, um, there's one guy who's, uh, he has, um, concessions he has sodas that he's going to pretend to sell um and he has to sneak in to the the ring um and there's another guy as a diversion who like leaves a backpack unattended right um yeah he he very obviously pretends to be like a a shifty shady suspicious young arabic man which like sets off the the security guards and they they go after him while the guy that's pretending to sell beverages has liquid explosives in his fake sodas. Yeah. Um, and Alex and Christian split up. Um, Alex Alex enters the matador ring um, going after the guy with the fake sodas. Uh, Christian goes to the roof of a neighboring skyscraper to go after Aldine and some other terrorists um, who are, control- are piloting a drone that has, um, I think... The idea is the drone will carry the trigger and they need to get the trigger close enough to the soda terrorist so that he can actually blow it up. Yeah. And it's recording as well. So it'll be right, viral right. footage. It's, yeah. That's the other big thing. Um, and we get that again, the, the, the review, the Jägermeister, whatever his name is, the reviewer. <laughs> Jäger, <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. He, he, he hits upon this. There, there's like this um, split screen to, two um kind of like dual arenas of action going on at the same time that De Palma jumps between um we have Alex chasing the soda guy through the crowds and then through this the the seating and then we have Christian uh sneaking up on Aldine um on this really cool uh rooftop set it's like bathed in blue light yeah yeah and there's a neon sign um, for a company called Dura, D-U-R-A. And actually, it must be like the sponsor of the bull ring too because like the, the terrorist with the um, with the concessions, like that's what his it says on his shirt as well. Mm-hmm. It says Dura on his shirt. And a quick um, live uh, research session that I'm doing right <laughs> now. Uh, Dura Automotive Systems was an independent designer and manufacturer of automotive components. Uh, and they went uh, bankrupt in October 2019. Damn. So this could very well fit into the chronology of this production Holy shit, it could yeah it probably yeah. does that's hilarious and maybe i mean <laughs> if, if we want to if we want to apply like some fictional in universe logic maybe like the terrorist scare caused their stock to plummet because it, it happened right next to them there you go exactly or something gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. Um. but this i like the sequence it's cool it um it, it did remind me of snake eyes because um 
there's that what is it like that 20 minute like single shot opening yeah in snake eyes it's the first of, of, shot of the movie it's, yeah it's like, it's like it, it and it literally lasts for like 15 18 minutes just like a tracking shot of like one shot of um Nicolas Cage running around the boxing ring and, and interacting with people. Yeah. And the idea of like the crime and, and like trying to prevent a crime occurring around like a sporting event was really cool. Yeah. And that I think it's a sniper. Um, yes. There's a, there's a yes. sniper who's going to shoot somebody, maybe one of the boxers. I can't remember. Or someone on the ring I th- side. I, I think, think it was one of the the managers for one of the boxers yeah. or something. Something like that. Somebody wealthy. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, this one, there's really no like you know no long takes anything like that. But um, it's just it, yeah, it's just well directed. Um, I mean, he kind of like I think for a lot of the directors, this would be a fairly like short set piece. Like yep. it would have quicker cuts. Um, but like, I feel like half of the set piece is in slow motion. Yeah. Even. Yeah, um, it is. And that's wild. Yeah. Um, it's like we get through half the set piece and then the entire rest of it is in slow motion, like you were saying. Um, Christian does like a Metal Gear Solid or, or like or like Splinter Cell silent takedown as he like <laughs> as, as he chokes out like the terrorist as he's trying to work his way to the guy driving the drone. Um, Alex is like running to go kick the soda terrorist in the crotch. Oh, yeah. And it's all in slow motion. Yeah. Yeah. She does, like, a karate kick to his crotch. (laughs) Oh, it's also, uh, we should say that, so the reason why Alex and Christian don't have guns in this situation is because they took a plane from Brussels to Spain. They got the call that they had to go to Spain while they were in Brussels, and they try to get on a plane with their guns. They say, like, hey, we're police officers. They show them their badges. But they're like, oh, no, you had to, like, put a form in, like, three days ago. Yep. And they're like, oh, come on, we're cops. We got to, like, there's a terrorist situation. And then, But Christian's like, forget it. This is this is Belgium. Like, whatever. So they just, like, literally leave their guns yep. with, like, a TSA or the equivalent of a TSA agent in Brussels. Yep. So, like, he loses his gun for a third time in this movie. <laughs> Goddamn EU regulations. This is this is why we need Brexit. <laughs> this is why we need Brexit. Um, but um, yeah, the the this Matador ring sequence ends in a really cool way because um, Christian defeats. He he does like the cool CQC takedowns of all the of all the um <laughs> of all the terrorists, and then he he jumps on the last one, and then of course the he the drone control he drops it and whatever. Well, he shoots and that guy. Dro- he gets. He gets one of the right, guns. Right, he shoots that guy. Yeah, he gets... The, so he takes down Aldine with the um, the splinter cell takedown. Yeah. Another guy, like, sees them scuffling. He gets that guy's gun. I'm not sure and if then he, he shoots, shoots that guy, but he definitely shoots the guy with the drone, piloting the drone. While he's scuffling with the second guy, he manages to shoot the drone guy Yeah. Mm-hmm. with the second guy's gun. Yes. And then the drone guy drops the, the control to the drone, and the drone, like dips forward because it had been zooming in for a close-up of um the soda terrorist for the the martyrdom shot and then it just like pitches forward and the blades like slice off his head yeah it's 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 wild it's It's wild wild. Um, yeah it's fairly similar actually to the way that uh eric how do you say his last name eric ubani yeah eric ubani dies in the film femme fatale 
actually. It's, really? It's, yeah, so like he gets impaled, but it's like it's equally graphic and just like random. Um, like it's like these weird what's like he get, what's he get impaled by? He gets like impaled by these weird spikes on the back of like a truck. Yeah, okay. I can't I can't explain like why there are spikes on the back of this truck. I think it's like maybe the truck like um, has a lift on the back. Like a forklift yeah, or something? Like a yeah, forklift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, his character gets like impaled, like incredibly Sick. bloody and violent. Um, Hell yeah. So, awesome. Somewhat similar to this. But yeah, so everyone is safe. Um, everyone, everyone's happy that this terrorist threat is eliminated. Um, but then we get an update from asshole CIA guy Pierce. Yeah, Joe CIA. Is, his name is Joe. Joe. I forget his yeah. last name. doesn't matter. Um, he's hanging out with Ezra um just like a few buildings away and he gets in touch with the denmark uh chief of police the copenhagen chief police guy and they arrange for a trade um ezra for um aldean yeah because aldean is still alive at this point right he's captured but this is Um, pretty funny though because like so earlier in the film ezra goes to like this cafe that they think aldean is at mustafa cafe and this guy like mustafa the guy who owns it he's outside he's just like turning patrons away uh, right he's, he's being like quote-unquote suspicious yeah. so like ezra walks in he's like hey man like you're in the middle of a town square like it's middle of the day why aren't you selling things he's like oh no yeah. i feel sick i feel sick so then like he tortures that guy like puts his head in a deep fryer a few like times boiling like, yeah boiling basically like kills oil <laughs> yeah um and then guy pierce just comes out of nowhere and they just like they literally sit down and have beers together yep and like they're they're that's it they're just there for the remainder of the film until this moment until after all the matador ring sequence happens with the actual Aldine where he actually is yeah um yeah so joe cia tries to trade um ezra for Aldine, um and he's and then he finds out Aldine is dead at yeah. that point because he, he bled out um he's like oh fuck this like deals off like i i if, if i can't have Aldine, i want ezra on my side he, he's such a valuable asset he can do everything he can, he can like do it all he's smart he's competent he shoots well he does all the shit um and christian's like no we're gonna take him back to Copenhagen because he killed my mentor he killed my boss he killed my friend um like he, he needs to face justice and as they're arguing alex busts in and she just shoots ezra yeah yeah because you know she was having an affair with Lars. So she's like, Oh, you killed my lover. And she just boom shoots him. And Joe CIA has the best, one of the best lines of the movie. He's like, fuck this. Like I'm, I'm going home. And then he runs off. He's like, did you feel, he asks Alex, he's like, do you feel better that you, you avenged your lover? Like, does this make you feel good? And Christian's like, what, how the hell do you know about that? He's like, we're Americans. We read all your goddamn emails yeah. anyway. And then he takes off. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty great. And then he fucks off. And like, that's, that's one of the redeeming aspects of this whole murky political aspects of this movie. Like the, it depicts the CIA as like this horrifying Kafkaesque big brother entity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the movie like right there. They like uh, yep. Alex and Christian embrace. And then we actually, um, we see ISIS's edit of the Amsterdam yes. film screening yep. shooting or the red carpet shooting. So at one point he yep. says like, Oh yeah. He, he, Aldine even says like, Oh, take this and edit it and like add graphics and do whatever. Uh, right. Um, and they add like his voiceover. He says some stuff earlier about like, uh, terrorism, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, right. Right. And we get, um, 
I, I will say one small hopeful aspect of the film is like that when we're, when we're shown that video, it's 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 not on YouTube. It's like on some like generic mock-up of like a, of a video streaming site. There's only like 300 views, so like maybe maybe it's not as bad as we all thought. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, yeah, I mean, well, it's kind of weird that like this movie's even about ISIS. I feel like in 2019, like yeah, ISIS is still around, but like I don't know, they're it's mostly a little, defeated. Little dated, yeah, yeah, a little dated. Like this is in 2012. Um, but I did think what was interesting about like showing that video again is like obviously us as the audience, we we saw the reality. We saw when Fatima was like distressed, you know. Yeah. But the edit, she's not. Like, obviously, they don't show that the gun jam. That's why she did the suicide vest. Like, it just, it looks like martyrdom, you know, that it was planned. We see just, like, her scowling face. Um, So, I I thought that was really interesting to show us that, again, from the perspective, you know, the edited perspective. Um, And I think it just, like, it drives on the notion of, like, the the perpetual cycle of violence um, that that is reaped by the CIA basically yeah. and 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 NATO for that matter i mean this this like the incite the real inciting incident is like you know uh NATO killing Gaddafi uh and then terrorism coming to Libya that kills Ezra's dad like i mean that's like the, that's the real story there like so that's what happens Hillary Clinton incited this whole thing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but yeah no that 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 is true um as as potentially Islamic phobic as this whole movie is, um, it it is redeemed in the end for me, just because ultimately it's all shadow games by like by Western imperialistic insert like counterinsurgency uh, policing entities like the CIA um, that that truly drive the fear and truly drive the the violence of the proceedings, which make it uh, which make it a lot more accurate to real life yeah definitely i mean even on like the domestic level in terms of like you know like copenhagen and police like they're pretty like fucking awful to all the brown people they encounter as well mm-hmm. right so yeah. it's like it's not only this like counterinsurgency writ large in terms of like the cia but it's also like the, the local level just like yep. you know how the local police police brown people um you know i mean like christian just like beats up any brown person he encounters the only scene in brussels is like him just like rolling down his window this like brown person asking if he wants like to buy hash from him and then like he literally just beats him up right he just we beats up two that, guys yeah. <laughs> him and alex yeah him and alex just the beat pregnant police up. police officer yeah because like they ask about Aldine and then like the guys say something like oh yeah well yeah i know about him and then they won't give any more info and they like just they just fight yeah. So and it's it's pretty wild. I mean, I don't know. I like this film. Um, I I I don't know. I maybe I'm like pre-programmed to like this film. Um, like I said, as a Brian De Palmaniac, uh, I it's very hard for me to say I I hate a Brian De Palma film. Uh, like at, at the at the opening of the episode, Casualties of War might be the closest that I could say I hate a Brian mm-hmm. De Palma film. Um, Basically because, like, Michael J. Fox is the wrong actor for any Brian De Palma film. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a poor pick. Yeah. I Like, if you see the movie, it kind of makes sense. Like, he's kind of like a baby face and, like, he goes to Vietnam and sees horrible things, right? But, like, I don't know. It's it's not good. It's um, redacted as, like, basically a remake of Casualties of War. And, um, Interesting. It's a little better. But, yeah. No, th- th- I mean, I haven't seen as much BDP as you have. Um 
obviously, but I, th- I mean, this just this is another one on the list that. I mean, he, he's definitely one of the filmmakers I like a lot, and I, I haven't seen a movie by him that I dislike. Um, and that he, he's one of the more memorable filmmakers that I've seen, too, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, not a lot of directors have a visual style like him. A lot of people are trying to ape his visual style. Um, I actually watched Midsummer recently, and uh, Ari Aster uses a lot of, like, eagle eye shots, um, mm. which Brian De Palma uses in basically every film he uses in this one. Um, and you could say like, Oh Lewis, like everybody uses eagle eye shots, but like the way Ari Aster uses eagle eye shots, like especially like interior eagle eye shots. Like when you basically mm-hmm. make the house into a cutout house more or less, but from an eagle eye perspective, I mean, that's Brian De Palma. That's in, that's right. in snake eyes. I mean, that's like when they go through the different rooms in the casino, like the hotel rooms in the casino, it's all eagle eye. And it, it just like roams from, you know, the ceiling perspective in and out of each room. Um, I mean, that's even in uh, Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards when um, uh, Zoja is uh, getting ready uh, to kill all the Nazis. You know, so like there's people who are trying to be Brian De Palma, but there's only one Brian De Palma. Uh, some people okay. are more successful at being Brian De Palma. I think like Quentin Tarantino can do a pretty good job of being Brian De Palma sometimes. Um, hmm. but he's still not Brian De Palma. So take that for what it is. Folks. That's a, that's a hot take that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that we should, we should tweet, you should tweet that, that, uh, Del Toro, that, um, not Del Toro, Tarantino is, uh, is the better or is, is the lesser De Palma. Yeah. Lesser De Palma, even lesser is Ari Aster. I don't know if he's trying to be, but like, I don't know. Some, some midsummer I was like, seems like Brian De Palma. Sure. Uh, workers of note, we have uh, a couple here. Um, yeah, this one's kind of just obvious. Uh, uh, Pino Donaggio, the composer, like I said, eight-time BDP collaborator. Uh, it's a great score. If you don't like it, you're a moron. Uh, no, it, it's so good. It, it's so much better than just like generic, I don't know, like prepackaged iTunes industrial like techno that would be over, I don't know, some some shitty Paul Greengrass ripoff, like some some some... Jason Bourne movie? Yeah, like some Bourne movie knockoff. Yeah. Or like the new Bourne movie that came out a few years ago, like Jeremy Renner. <laughs> the Jeremy Renner Bourne. <laughs> yeah, like, like much like like in a lesser movie, that's what I would imagine they would fill the fill the the soundtrack with, but like not here. Yeah. No. I mean, when I f- I had first watched about maybe a half hour of this film, um, and then it was really late at night, so I shut it off. And then I recommended that we watch it for the podcast. Like I was just struck by the the score, like immediately. Yeah. I was like, people don't make scores like this anymore, and they mm-hmm. especially don't make scores like this for shitty movies like this, or quote unquote yes. shitty movies like for this B, B movies like right. this. It's like I don't, you know, I mean, only Brian De Palma could get Pino Donaggio to compose his score for a, an ISIS movie. Like, <laughs> it's good, folks. Um, we also have Evelyn Deverent, uh, who's the casting director. Um, mostly just because, like, we, we we've mentioned his name throughout this episode uh, for Eric Ebuane. Um, he's just really good in this, and he's a frequent De Palma collaborator. Also, I, I realize he he is in um, the 2000 film Lumumba, which was made for HBO. Uh, directed by Raul Peck, who um, made I Am Not Your Negro and The Young Karl Marx. 
Um, okay. Yeah, it's a great film. Um, yeah, so yeah. he plays Patrice Lumumba, and that's uh, dope. Yeah, it's it's worth watching. It used to be on Amazon, so it's still there. Check it out, or pirate it, or go to the library. He's also in The Transporter Three and Hitman. Nice. So nice. hell yeah, I have seen Hitman. I have not seen Transporter nice. Three. Neither have I, but I want to see it. Uh, <laughs> I guess the the remaining workers of note that we want to mention are um, a lot of location people. We have Paul Marbus, a location scout for the Netherlands. Enrique Martin Guadamuro, assistant location coordinator for Spain. Um, Irene Manrique Matin, location unit coordinator. Maxim Mukens, set location manager for Belgium. Sergio Peralta, uh, location assistant. Uh, Kim Scott Sutherland, location manager in uh vim verse verstrate uh location location scout uh as we as we also mentioned throughout this episode um just striking locations um everything from bigger set pieces like the matador ring to just some random uh a, a roadside windmill yeah that was in great one, in one, <laughs> when when alex is breaking down because the the man she was having an affair with died um and, and Christian's comforting her. There's just this windmill yeah. swinging about in the background, just like on a just, uh, like on a picnic bench, and yeah. there's just a windmill. It's great. It's like I don't know, maybe they're in the Netherlands. I have no idea. <laughs> it was cool. Yeah, it, it, it made the scene memorable. I, I remember enough to talk about it right now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even like Ezra's in the Spanish Town Square, and he goes into the Mustafa Cafe. Like, it's just a great location. The cafe itself is a great yeah. location. Yes, uh, it's just like unique looking. So yeah, kudos to all those people. Uh, it's uh, it's a hard job. I mean, because it is super important. Um, you know, your locations not only should they fit your script, like they should be fairly memorable, especially in a B movie like this. Especially when um, these very elaborate set pieces uh, are at play. Like, I mean, you know, you got to work off of uh, that location. So kudos to them uh for giving you know brian de palma these amazing canvases for sure um who would you recommend this movie to um so i would recommend well so our broke recommendation i would say um if you are in middle of the venn diagram of action movie slash thriller enthusiasts uh, mm-hmm. The other side of the Venn diagram, you are you have a passing interest in MENA, uh, so Middle East, uh, North Africa studies. Um, yeah. If you're so, if you're in the middle of that Venn diagram, uh, which means you you're probably fairly resistant to anti-Muslim messaging. Uh, yeah. Watch this movie; uh, yeah. you'll get something out of it. I think. <laughs> uh, I would hope. Uh, maybe you'd have better criticisms of it than we do, actually. More nuanced, uh, especially mm-hmm. if you know more about the region and you... Uh, or the, Coptic Christian, yeah. the black Coptic Christians. Yeah, if you know anything about that, I don't know. I don't know why they picked that. I mean, it was weird. I, again, I really wish that Ezra's character was Muslim, but they didn't go there, so yeah. here we are. Um, our woke recommendation is um, if you're a gamer... <laughs> Again, all the all the all the requisite um, anti anti Muslim messaging awareness applies. But if you're a gamer who's a fan of um, stealth action games like Splinter Cell or Chaos Theory, there is a really cool silent takedown near the end. 
<laughs> in the matador in the matador set piece um but also there are a couple a couple of the set pieces really reminded me of um of the game this is going to sound ridiculous uh splinter cell chaos theory um because that that's like a worldwide game like you, you go to different missions in different yes. parts of the world okay i've played that one mm-hmm. yeah that that's one of the best ones um but like the the set piece where christian is sneaking up on aldine on the rooftop with the um the blue neon lighting from the from the letters is really cool and really memorable and also when they're um in in the opening set piece when they're in the apartment building and they're kind of like parkouring across the rooftop that just reminded me of like i don't know early early aughts gamecube ps2 era stealth action video game it it, yeah. it hit that sweet spot for me it, it really scratched my itch there i could see that yeah, definitely. And what's interesting about the silent takedown, it is legitimately silent because there is no diegetic sound during the Matador scene. It is only yes. the score. The score. Um, yeah. So you don't hear them scuffling. So it makes sense. Like, oh, yeah, if I was one of the other terrorists, I wouldn't hear him scuffling because there'd be this rousing score. <laughs> well, you, I mean, even even within you, even like within the diegetic sounds, uh, you see Christian putting his hand yeah. over. But like if a Aldean's dude was mouth, scuffling, yeah. if two dudes were scuffling, like, less than fewer than 50 feet away from you i don't know i think you'd no immediately I mean, notice but whatever it doesn't matter i'm not saying not if you're a fault not if you're not if you're a splinter well, cell yes i'm not sure christian is i mean christian being the fail son <laughs> of this episode son, yes. i'm not sure that he is i mean in the beginning of this film he loses his gun and his father and mother figure uh like pester him about dates and they ask him to take out the trash for him so i'm not sure that he could be a splinter cell takedown master <laughs> A, spl- a splinter cell would not forget his gun and then drop his mentor's gun. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so our bespoke, um, I have two. So uh, the first bespoke, quick one, get out of the way, is uh, Brian DePaul makes films for adults and the rest of you are fucking babies. Uh, yes. <laughs> go watch your, <laughs> your Goo Goo Gaga MCU bullshit. Um, <laughs> and then my... <laughs> My second take, which I wanted to talk about before, but we didn't find a space for it. So now this is my real bespoke recommendation is that oh um, this movie, um, if you are uh, celibate, if you are a celibate of any kind, oh no distinction here in Salvalsa, whatever, for whatever reasons you're a celibate and you want to see a film <laughs> that moralizes about uh, sex, uh, this yep. is the film for you. Uh, basically yep. anybody who fucks in this movie, like bad things happen to them. This movie is very pro sex should only happen within the confines of a heterosexual monogamous relationship explicitly for the purposes of procreation. Otherwise you'll be killed. Or just like, even if it is in within those confines, like it's just not going to go well for you. Like in for the most part, I mean, I guess like, yeah, it, it, so Lars is not monogamous. So I guess like, yeah, you're right. I mean, Lars is stepping on yeah, his wife. That's true. And in Christian is a fornicator because he's not married. Right. Yeah. So Christian has sex, leaves his gun at home. Nothing goes right for him. Uh, right. Lars has sex. He dies. Alex has sex. Her lover dies. Uh, Ezra, he has two kids. He had sex at one point, and then what happens? Those kids are leveraged <laughs> against him. <laughs> That's true. Yep. His dad had sex, dies. Um, Joe CIA, he's asked if he has a family and kids. He never says yes. So things actually go his way because mm, we don't okay. know. It's because, murky. We don't know if he's had sex. Right. 
because he's he has just like a sham marriage to throw off suspicion back home. Yeah, probably something like that. Interesting. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then like, what gets interesting though, because like things do go well for Christian and Alex at the end. Like it's it's kind of implied that they're gonna get together, um, but they don't sleep with each other, so things can go okay for right. them because they don't fuck at any point with each other. They don't have sex with right. each other at the end of the movie. Um, that's true and when christian finally does get his gun back his penis he only that's the only time he uses it is in the matador scene when he shoots the terrorist with that's not his gun that's uh that's a gun that he steals from the terrorist steals another person's dick and he shoots (laughs) it and he's standing under a giant sign that reads dura which means hard in spanish all right incredible i'm I'm convinced. I, I was yeah. I was a little I wasn't following you up until that point, but that that brought it all home. Yeah. Jesus. So, sex and violence, they go together. That's it's a novel observation, Lewis. Sex and violence. Who would have thought? It's just Brian De Palma. That's what on on film stock and trade. Yeah. So yeah, folks, uh, watch. Even if you don't watch Domino, uh, I'm not even sure why it's called Domino. I'll be I'll be honest. Um, but if you're not going to watch Domino, watch some Brian De Palma film. Watch Mission Impossible One. Watch Fender of the Paradise. Um, they're all good. He he's, I would call him underappreciated, even by people like on film Twitter. Um, everyone knows him, but I don't think enough people give him um proper due for for what he's contributed uh over over his career. Yeah, definitely. I think he has. A ton of films people don't know about, like his a lot of his earlier stuff. Um, mm. He has a film, one of his first films. I'm not sure if it's his first film that was released in theaters. It's called um, "Get to Know Your Rabbit," and um, Orson Welles plays a magician, like a down and out magician, who teaches this okay. guy magic. That sounds ridiculous it but is wild. i'm into it and it's yeah. called get to know your rabbit so instead of instead of watching jojo rabbit go yeah watch go around go watch <laughs> get to know your rabbit um and then he has these two early films that are maybe his only the only sequel he's done i'm not sure if that's true but um he did a film called greetings starring robert de niro as like this like down on his luck loser um, who's I think at this point is trying to avoid the draft. He's trying to be a draft dodger. And then mm-hmm. in the second film, it's called Hi Mom. And I believe he comes back from Vietnam in that one. Um, and it, they're just wild. They're just like these really wild, like 60s New York films um, that have to be inspired by like De Palma's real life somehow. Because Brian De Palma, I mean, he went to film school, art school, like the other guys. Um, I think he even has like a philosophy degree. I don't know. He's he's crazy. Like his his backstory is pretty wild. Um and uh Dionysus 69 maybe? I don't know. Are you looking at uh his filmography by any chance in this moment? Um uh, let me just look it up right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Dionysus in 69 yes, Di- from from se- from 1970. Yeah, that's like a play of it's like a it's Dionysus like the play Dionysus. Yeah. Um this looks wild. Yeah. Oh no, uh, adaptation of the 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 Bacchi Bacchian Bacchian. Bacchi. 
I don't know, you know, uh, that thing. The film, the film makes use of split screen to show both actors and audience involved involvement in parallel. Yeah. It's that's wild. fucking wild. That you can find online for free, actually, because I believe that's, that was a like a student film. So you can find that one for free. That's great. Um, and there's a lot of naked people fucking, it looks like. Hell yeah. Watch his movies, folks. Oh, and a little, a little, a little flick you might have heard of called uh, Scarface. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know that Actually, one? Blowout, Blowout seems really cool, too. Blowout's great. Yeah. 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 Definitely worth it. Um, that one is... Uh, somewhat remake of uh blow up the uh okay italian film oh and he did carry fuck brian palm was great yeah brian palm was great folks god damn yeah i don't know what to tell you he's great and actually the majority of his films are somewhat remakes of like a hitchcock film so i don't know if you like hitchcock do you like brian palmer he has uh two more movies announced Sweet Vengeance in Predator. Yeah, so Predator is actually about Harvey Weinstein. That's wild. Yeah, yeah. That is, that's great, but it's it's yeah, wild. Yeah, in real life, uh, he hates him. He says he's an asshole, and he said actually like it makes sense that that kind of stuff happens because Hollywood is corrupt and terrible. Hell yeah. Yeah. No, that's You're right. Hollywood sucks. Goddamn. Um, yeah. So um, that's Domino. That's Brian De Palma. I am sure we will revisit his career at some point. Um, he's got a lot of uh, maligned films, uh, unjustly oh, yeah. maligned films. Hell yeah. Well, uh, we'll call it there. Uh, look up BDP, and we'll see you next time. See you next time, folks. 